May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, God our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. I want to start to you by talking about our lectionary. Why that on the first day of Lent? Well, that will, the first, not the first day, the first Sunday in Lent. That will become clear shortly. Some of you know that uh, we, amongst a whole lot of other Christian traditions around the world, follow a lectionary. We don't just pick out of the air the readings that we want to speak about on a Sunday. We use as our psalm, or use as our gospel law. Um, readings during the week. Um, those have been chosen and set down um, based on a long tradition in a lectionary that uh, is known as um, the Revised Common Lectionary. So it's shared across traditions, um, not just Anglicans around the world. So if you go to a Catholic church today or Presbyterian church today, you will find the same gospel being read. And if they use the psalm, the same psalm either being sung or said. In fact, if you look at one of our lectionaries, there's more than just three readings set for each day. In fact, there are at least nine, and that's because there are readings set for the Eucharist of the day, and readings set for morning prayer, and readings set for evening prayer. And some people read all of those readings every day. When I was in religious community, we met four times in the day for prayer together, and some days we also had Eucharist in our house, and some days we went to Eucharist in other places um, around us. And so we were kind of immersed in those scriptures. Uh, for those of us who don't live in a religious community, uh, we don't get immersed quite so often in those scriptures. But you might have noticed that on a Sunday morning, when we have an Old Testament or Hebrew scripture reading, the psalm very often mirrors that reading. Today, that psalm is also mirrored in our Gospel reading, which is not quite so um, usual. Hence the connection between the first Sunday and Lent and talking about our lectionary. This year in our lectionary we're in what's called Year C. There's a three-year um, cycle, and that follows the, the first three of the four Gospels. So Year A follows Matthew's Gospel, Year B follows Mark's Gospel, Year C, which we're in now, follows Luke's Gospel. The story of the temptation of Jesus occurs in all three of those Gospels, though not in John's. And each way, each Gospel tells it in a slightly different way. So this year we're immersed in Luke's Gospel and we hear from him, his version of the story of the temptation of Jesus. Jesus has just been baptised baptised by John in the Jordan River, and Luke explains that he's returned from there and he goes into the wilderness. In Mark's Gospel it says he goes into the wilderness, is tempted for 40 days, is tended by angels, and there are wild animals. It's as short as that. Luke has a much longer version, which we've just heard today, and goes into great depth about what those temptations were. And it says that he was in the wilderness for 40 days before the temptations came. I, I suspect that there were some temptations before that as well, especially if, as Luke says, he was 40 days without food. 40 days, of course, is a kind of Bible code for a long time. 
The Israelites were 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus is 40 days in the desert. Whenever that number 40 comes up, it's usually a sign that what you're talking about is long enough that you probably lost count. So Jesus has been in the wilderness for a long time. And then these temptations come to him. He's been baptised, recognised in that wonderful story about um, God's voice and the, the sign of the Spirit on him, saying that he is beloved, that he is God's son. And now he is confronting what that means, what it means to be God's son at the beginning of his ministry. And he's gone out into the wilderness to take time to prepare himself. And then he's confronted with these temptations. It's a little bit like what I've been writing in the Lenten Daily Reflection so far. We have been given a kind of mirror of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness in the season of Lent. 40 days of Lent, plus six Sundays. And in that time, we are invited to consider who we are, what our ministry is, what it is that God is calling us to do, and what the temptations might be to distract us from God's way. And so as we begin this season, we are given this story to help us, to remind us what it is that we are called to. So the first thing that the devil does, the Satan, the opposer, is to say to Jesus, man, you must be hungry. Why not turn these stones into bread? You can do it if you're God's son. And Jesus, being immersed in the scriptures as he is, he too has lived a kind of lectionary of his life. He knows that the Bible says, we will not live by bread alone but by the word of God. Once upon a time, when I was in a different parish, um, the preacher was talking about a psalm, and he said, I wonder how, how many people here know which psalm I'm talking about. And I knew. And I knew because I was immersed in the psalms, day by day, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, reading the psalms together with my community. No great virtue on my part, just the fact that that was my pattern, that was our pattern. And so I knew the answer. I knew that those words that were familiar to me belonged to that number. And so I was able to say which psalm it was. Jesus has been immersed in the scripture. How might we allow space this Lent to immerse ourselves in scripture? to hear the stories again, to read the Psalms, to allow them to seep into our very being. And then uh, the, the Satan says to Jesus, come on, come up onto this mountain, I will show you all the kingdoms of the world, and I'll give their glory and all this authority to you. You will be the one that they look up to, the one who they think is fantastic, just one hitch. If you take this, you need to worship me. And Jesus, again, quotes from scripture. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Why might Jesus be tempted by the devil? Well, he's gone out into the wilderness to consider how he's going to approach 
this mission that he has to share the good news of God's love and forgiveness and reconciliation with the world. And if he was to have a way, a medium by which to get that message out into the world, maybe he should take it. Otherwise, he's just limited to the people he can meet as he walks. But like, maybe if they had Facebook in Jesus' day, wouldn't you put something out there that would get spread virally around the world? Speaking of viruses, sometimes that's not the best way. And in fact, to share the good news in that way is a kind of way of worshipping the opposer. Because it tempts us to do that without relationship. Jesus says to the opposer, it is written, worship the Lord your God. Ground yourself in relationship with the divine. Serve only that way. So then finally, Luke has the devil taking Jesus to Jerusalem. In Matthew's version, this is the other way around, but for Luke, this is the pinnacle of the story. He takes him to Jerusalem, places him on the pinnacle of the temple, and says, if you're the son of God, remember Jesus is trying to figure out who he is, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And then the devil copies Jesus. The devil quotes scripture. For he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Do you recognise the words? We've just had them in our psalm this morning. Here is the opposer using the very scriptures that Jesus is relying upon to tempt him to take a step in the wrong direction. And Jesus answers him again with scripture. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Yes, if I do this, people will go, wow, this is a cool guy. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to everything he says. He's obviously got the answers. But no, once again, Jesus says to the opposer, listen do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not go, but, 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 but. Listen to that still, small voice within and trust it. This third temptation is a temptation for security and safety. To be protected. To not have to suffer. Jesus would like to be that kind of Messiah, perhaps. The kind of Messiah who can bring the glory of God to all of the people in safety. And there are many times in his ministry when Jesus will be asked to do just that. When the people seek to make him king. But right now, the beginning of the journey, he faces this and maybe begins to understand that this journey will include suffering. That he will be a suffering Messiah, a Messiah who has to give his all to bring this message, who has to be alongside the people who are the vulnerable ones of the world, who needs to dare to touch a leper, 
who needs to be willing to lose status in the eyes of those in places of authority and power, being alongside those who are the outcasts of the world, even doing things that appear to go against what the scripture says, that break the rules of purity in order to keep the rule of love. So Jesus answers, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The Lord your God is the one to whom you must return again and again and again, to be the one who guides you, who brings you back onto the path, who is your true north. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him. And Luke says, until an opportune time. Perhaps that points to those moments in the time of his passion that we look forward to now in this Lenten season. Perhaps it, it refers to all of those moments in Jesus' ministry where again he revisits those temptations. There are many times when the opposition voice comes to us. And we need to be rooted and grounded in scripture and in prayer so that we recognize it when it comes and don't just automatically veer in its direction. And this season of Lent is a gift to us. It's just 46 days. We can do something for that long, can't we? And hopefully, if we practice some of the disciplines that will help us to be attentive to that voice, ready to move and shift in the direction that the Holy One calls us to, that ability might then undergird us for the days that follow those 46 days. So what is it that you feel the Holy One calling you to this Lent? What might you fast from in order to be more compassionate? What time might you give to being still and open and listening to the Holy One in prayer, ready to receive the love that God has to give you in order that you also might be able to give that love to others? How might you be being called to immerse yourself in the scripture so that you recognize the Word of God with a capital W, the communicative one who is present and speaks through those words and grounds us in the traditions from where we come. How will you make space day to day to connect with others who are people of faith so that together you might discern how the Holy One is calling us? What is it that you can commit to this Lent, individually and together, so that we might more fully express the love that we are called to, love for God and love for our neighbour. Let us reflect and let us act. And I invite you to pray with me to collect again. <coughs> Holy God, tested by the evil one, your son did not yield. Defend us from the deceits of wealth and power. Shield us from despair. 
and hold us fast to you, our rock and our truth. Through Jesus Christ, our liberator, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.